0: federalist piece regarding the mayoral race in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which you may say, well, what does that have to do with us? It's got a lot to do with us. And it is uh, it is the recognition that in that particular case, or the allegations, I should say, by the, the Democrats that in the primary, some other Democrats, stuffed drop boxes, stole the election, they use as evidence video, same sort of video that de Shuja has in 2000 Mules. Um, they use as evidence the fact that um, you know, there was uh, a winner and then absentee ballots start coming in completely inconsistent with the standard vote and two to one. It goes the other way. And... and um, a lot of other evidence as well. And these local stories, we've seen it happen in St. Louis back in 2016, a couple of elections that were overturned. There, there was a, a, a new election ordered because of this same thing. And again, it's only when Democrats do it to other Democrats that there is any sort of recognition or accountability. But it doesn't get national coverage because, as you know, nationally, particularly in the context of Trump, we're all told this doesn't happen. We're all told what Trump has alleged does not occur. The American Transmissions talk a text line 447 KSGF. Uh, When I went to vote at my precinct here in Springfield in the 2020 election, I was asked if I had my absentee ballot. I was confused, stated I didn't request one. The election judge confirmed that uh, mine was in fact requested. I stated that I did not request one, nor had I received one. He confirmed that one was sent after four phone calls, 20 minutes. The election judge handed me a ballot and apologized for the confusion. So, here, this is what happens. And this is why, for example, this story Pennsylvania Democrat governor announces switch to automatic voter registration, where now in Pennsylvania, you will, when you go to get your driver's license, sign up or renew your driver's license, you will automatically be registered to vote. The more people registered to vote, the better for those who want to commit voter fraud. Now, every state has its own rules, but essentially the way that it works. See, you you can, here's what a lot of people don't know. Who votes and in what election they vote, that is public information. Now, not how you vote. No one knows that. I mean, unless you tell people. You can get, and some states make this easier than others. When I lived in in Wisconsin, there was a website that you went to, you entered your name and address, and it would show what elections you voted in. It would show all of them, so it was easy to check. Not all states are that easy. This is oftentimes used by political candidates, and they use it, for targeted advertising mailers, for example. So what they'll do is they will get a list of uh, the people who, um, you know, you've got your registered voters and then, okay, well, when did they vote? Some people who are registered, they never even bothered to vote. They signed up uh, because they were encouraged to, or, you know, maybe they went in Missouri, you know, they they went to get their license and they were asked, do you want to while you're here? And they said, yeah, sure. But they never, never voted. Some people only vote in presidential elections. Some people vote in every single election that exists. When it comes to flyers in particular that you get in the mail, what campaigns will do is they get that information because they don't see that there's any point in sending flyers to people who never vote Or if you're running in a Republican primary, you know, what's the point in sending uh, literature to somebody who votes in, you know, that that votes, I guess, well, you wouldn't really know the difference between which primary or what ballot they chose. But But it's essentially used to target people who vote versus those that don't vote. So you are not wasting money on those who don't vote. Now the primary situation might be different in states where you actually register, but right now in in Missouri, that's not the way it's been. You just when you go to get your ballot, you say, Oh, I want a Republican, I want a Democrat, or whatever it is. But that that information isn't in tracked. But fact of the matter is, that information is tracked. So here's what happens. And this is how the voter fraud can occur. You have people who will be charged with looking at that information and finding the names of individuals, of people, who are registered to vote, but don't actually show up to vote. And then you request ballots in their name. Now, again, states vary in their procedures. Some states allow you to request a ballot and have it sent to an address that has no connection whatsoever to the address of the person who's registered. And multiple ballots can be sent to that location. The looser the rules, the better. Because if you have really loose rules, that makes it more effective. So you can go through the entire list assign people. Uh, all right, you have the A's, you have the B's, you have the C's. You go through and you just fill out the request forms. Heck, it's even better if it's online. And then have all of the ballots sent to one address. And then you have those ballots and so you can fill them out. The more people that are automatically registered to vote, see, people who take it upon themselves to go registered to vote without being compelled are much likely to be people who actually want to vote, right? People who have no interest in voting don't decide, you know what, I want to go get registered to vote. I'm going to look up where to do it. I'm going to take time off from work. I'm going to go down there, get the information I need. The people who do that are people who are likely to vote. But if you start signing up people automatically who have no interest in voting whatsoever, you increase the pool of ballots that are not going to be cast by the people themselves. Now, mark my words, eventually... What will become a mainstream push is that you are when you turn 18 or whatever age, depending on the state, Democrats in some areas are pushing for younger and younger voting, you will automatically be registered to vote whether you like it or not. Their ultimate goal will be that every single person is, quote, registered to vote. In fact, they may push to just get rid of the registration altogether as long as you're here and you are a citizen, although you won't be forced to prove it, of course, then you can vote. And And the point being then they have access, because you know the small percentage of people that actually actually vote. They'll have access to all those ballots. So anytime you hear about making it easier for people to register to vote or automatically registering people, that is done for one purpose and one purpose only. And it's not to get people engaged because that doesn't engage people. Doing something for people automatically does not engage them. It is to increase their access to ballots that will not be cast or requested by the actual voter, so that they can fill those ballots out. And, and there there will always be some excuse as to why they're trying to do it. You know, well there are barriers. We got well, equity. You know, there are barriers. <clears throat> excuse me, in place that prevent the underrepresented person from. Uh, having access or knowing that they can do this. And so all we're trying to do is, is is make things equitable. And we already hear that in a more simplistic form. Anytime you talk about photo ID, you know, they cry racism. Black people, they can't figure out how to show a photo ID or they don't know where to get a photo ID, so forth, so forth, so forth. Now, what is, of course, a contradiction in and of itself is the reason that Pennsylvania's democratic governor, Josh Shapiro, the, the reason, one of the reasons he has given for doing this, and he said he's proud to announce it for the first time ever, Pennsylvania is an automatic voter registration state. I made a commitment when I was campaigning for this office that we would bring automatic voter registration to uh, Pennsylvania and break down the barriers for legal eligible voters. Uh, This is a key step to make our elections more secure, which of course is laughable. Now, incidentally, a so-called glitch in the motor voter process in Pennsylvania allowed over 11,000 non-citizens to get registered to vote back in uh, 2019, I believe it was. So already it's been shown that that sort of process is not secure. But what they do is at the same time, they claim, well, this is to break down the barriers of getting people registered to vote because there are barriers in place. But they do it when you, they do it automatically when you go register to get a driver's license. Well, does that not defy their entire argument for why it is that? voter registration should be automatic as part of getting a driver's license. Arguably, there's more barriers to get a driver's license than there is to get a uh, uh, to get registered to vote. A driver's license, you actually have to take a test. You have to, you know, show paperwork, you have to do all of this stuff. You don't have to do much of that in order to get registered to vote. So the fact that they claim it is taking down registration barriers to register to vote by doing it automatically when you go through a process that itself has barriers. This is a complete contradiction to common sense. It is a complete contradiction to honest and fair elections. And it is something that we are going to continue to see. And part of the reason, of course, Democrats know that they cannot win on their results. They know that they can't. This is why they have to campaign telling you that things are better than you think. You actually have it better than you realize. This is why their big push to vote is based on we're the good guys and they're evil, they're bad, they're racist, they're semi-fascist. They're going to end democracy as we know it. They, They never, they never talk about the results. So they have to pit people against one another and figure out a way, instead of convincing people to legitimately vote for them based on results, to just get as many ballots gathered up as possible. All of these things are a sign of their acknowledgement that when it comes to making things better, they have failed miserably. Springfield's Talk 1041, a news update. Good morning, I'm Color 10's Jesse Inman. MoDOT has requested $500,000 in federal funding to study future Amtrak passenger rail lines. Currently, Missouri's Amtrak route runs between Kansas City and St. Louis, but MoDOT is interested in adding a route from Kansas City to Springfield and from Kansas City to St. Joseph. Springfield was last served by passenger trains in 1967 and is now one of the largest metros in the country without passenger rails. A judge makes a decision today regarding the fate of a Glendale High School football player. Kylan Mabins hasn't played this year because Misha declared him ineligible after he transferred from Kickapoo to Glendale. Mabins alleges racial discrimination, but Misha sidelined him, saying his transfer was for football reasons. From Cutterton and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast from color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt showers through the day six or 73 for a high uh, scattered showers this afternoon, then eventually just partly cloudy after midnight a low around 61 50% chance of showers in the evening tomorrow high during the day of 81 and Friday a 70% chance of showers through the day otherwise partly sunny a high near 78. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Sarah Myers. Thank you.
1: Well, you have home repairs that need to be addressed, but not sure who to call. Beatles Property Maintenance. Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S and they specialize in home repairs and maintenance. Uh, They specialize in mold removal, water restoration, crawl space services, and even radon mitigation. Uh, But they also work with realtors and they can tackle a punch list. So if several items come up during that inspection phase, it is no problem for the Beatles Property Maintenance team. And also if you are out there and you have kind of an odd job and you're not exactly sure if it's a job for beetles just call bruce and they'll come out they'll take a look for you actually i had a listener reach out earlier this week and asked if beetles does chain length fencing uh painting and bruce said well you know that's not really a request that we've had before but tell them that we'll come out and take a look so whether you have a significant home repair that needs to be addressed or a list of smaller repairs the beetles team they can get all of that taken care of for you now you can find all of their content Contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Uh,
0: one final on the voter fraud thing. I talked about it much more expansively than I had planned on. Um, but it is important. And I don't talk about it every day. It comes up every so often. I guess I should just stop voting because it really won't make a difference in the outcome. And there are a couple ways to look at it. And frankly, one of the ways is that that is what they also want you to do they the establishment the left the democrats they want people who don't support them to recognize that they have the advantage when it comes to manipulating the system and so you'll say what's the point and that just makes it easier for them There are Republicans, and and Trump has been one of those who's been vocal in saying that, listen, within the law, these areas where Democrats have changed laws to make it easier to cheat, we have to, we've got to utilize that system legally. We cannot pretend it's not happening. So in other words, ballot harvesting, where these things are going around and some ballot harvesting in some uh, states, that is not legal. Ballot harvesting is where you have activists and the way that it works now, they're left-wing activists and they go to people's houses, oh, have you uh, gotten your absentee or your early voting ballot yet? Well, no, I haven't. Oh, well here, let me help you request it. I'll come back by in a couple weeks and help you fill it out. And then they come back by in a couple weeks and then they, they, they collect them all. So harvesting, you know, you're planting, you're growing, and then you are, uh, you know, gathering up the crops, and then you take them back to the drop box or or the wherever it is. And so there are a number of Republicans that have recognized that this it's not a good change because we're not talking about getting people to vote based on ideas, but instead just bothering them and annoying them and collecting their ballots and but that's the game that those are the rules now and so that's what we have to do now i know that still what happens is even within that it the the infrastructure is set up to make it easier to break the law so while the drop boxes in some states may be legal and then but the rules say you know you oh you know only you can put your ballot in a drop box or A person in a certain capacity can, but you can't have one person putting more than one ballot in. They do it anyway because the drop boxes are there. They exist. And you say, but that's illegal. Well, look, 2,000 mules had how many hours of footage of that happening, but these areas are run by Democrats, the ones who are in charge. And so obviously they're not going to do anything. So what do you do about that? I I guess what we have to do, the good guys, the honest people, is – Based on results, and based on the confines being on the confine in the confines of the law, beating them by enough that we overcome the voter fraud. And while that's something that for a very long time Republicans have had to do, it is it the head start that Democrats have now is is leaps and bounds beyond what it was. And so, I guess just try harder. Coming up, I want to play testimony that took place yesterday the former capitol police chief sunned uh and he nancy pelosi has of course she's played sort of like hillary clinton the dumb girl i didn't know what was going on i don't understand when it hillary clinton when it came to her server and when it came to security nancy pelosi and the Oh, House of Representatives, Speaker of the House, in charge of security. Uh, she just, uh, I don't know anything. I never, no one told me anything. Yesterday, in testimony, former Capitol Hill Police Chief Son testified otherwise. That next, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. On Facebook, and you search 1041 Nick Reed, you will find the show streaming. You'll find past shows, in fact, live from the studio, and that live feed is sponsored by Springfield Raps. Former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund testified yesterday before the House Administration Subcommittee on Oversight. And the hearing was titled "Oversight of United States Capital Security: Assessing Security Failures on January 6, 2021." One of the, the the aspects of the so-called January 6th Committee, which of course was a show trial, was that no questions could be asked of Nancy Pelosi, no information could be requested of Nancy Pelosi and her engagement with Capitol Hill. So this is the woman who is in charge of such things. Her office, Capitol Hill Police, work for her. She's in charge. They work for the Capitol, but as Speaker of the House, she's in charge. You'd think if you were really, truly concerned about security issues, then you would kind of... uh... the investigation of the person in charge but she was protected from that not long after the event took place pelosi had Stephen's son i I think she, she had him resign she claimed of course played the dumb girl card i didn't know any. no one told me anything i never the capitol hill police chief never contacted me this is his testimony yesterday um, in a press conference on January 7th, Speaker Pelosi called for your resignation on national television. Speaker Pelosi also stated that she had not talked to you since the initial breach of the Capitol. But according to your transcribed interview, you were on the phone with Speaker Pelosi a few times. Uh, can you explain that discrepancy?
2: Yeah, that is, uh, that, that is correct. I uh, spoke to Speaker Pelosi um, three times uh, that, that evening, and uh, she was on national TV and said I'd never spoken to her, but I spoke to her three times. Um, the three uh, three times were the first time when I went over to brief uh, President uh, Vice President Pence at the secure location. Um, I had called uh, um, House Sergeant Arms Irving, told him I was going over to brief the uh, Vice President. I was also going over to do a personal assessment of the Capitol. At that point, things were getting under control. Uh, went over there, briefed him on when we can get them back into chambers with you know uh, Mr. Irving being fully aware uh, he said he wanted to get Speaker Pelosi on the phone. He made a phone call from his cell phone at approximately 534, uh, where I first briefed Speaker Pelosi. Uh, the second call was when I left that location. As I was walking away, I met up with Mr. Stinger, and we started walking over to the Senate to go brief the Senate when uh, Jennifer Hemingway, I believe it was Jennifer Hemingway, handed me the cell phone, and it was Emily Barrett's cell phone calling her, and it was Speaker Pelosi on the other line. This is my call, second call with Speaker Pelosi. Questioning the information I'd given to uh, Vice President Pence about when we can get back into chambers I assured her that information was correct. I could get them back into chambers by 7 uh, 7 p.m And the call ended that was call number two call number three was 625 p.m I was over at the (coughs) Senate uh, from the secure location. I mean from where the Senate had been sequestered uh, And on a uh, cell phone using Robert Karam's cell phone They dialed leadership who was over off-site at a secure location and I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi.
0: So you didn't have one call. You didn't have two calls. You had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. I'm sure it's, once again, just the number one of the dozens and dozens of people that have conspired to lie uh, about poor, be it Nancy Pelosi or Hunter Biden or any of these individuals that are involved in any sort of corruption or the facilitation of January 6th. Now you can have a range, as there are, beliefs as to why it is that Democrats ignored this information and refused, be it National Guard from Donald Trump, or pretended as if you were not being contacted and communicated with the people in charge of security. And the, it ranges everywhere from... Uh, Nancy Pelosi is totally incompetent. Nancy Pelosi didn't believe anything was actually going to happen, which of course is defied by the facts. To Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, wanted this to happen. That's why law enforcement opened the doors and waved people into the Capitol. This is why it was it was all allowed to play out so that they could enhance their totalitarian rule over the people, and justify imprisoning political opposition. But the fact of the matter is, we don't get to know many of those questions. One, because despite the fact that Kevin McCarthy ordered the January 6th committee to not destroy any sort of evidence they collected, they did just that, destroyed it, and the fact that no one was allowed to investigate any sort of or inquire about anything having to do with Nancy Pelosi's office and security on January 6th. You know, because transparency. And the way this works, of course, and the reason she did exactly what she did, is you fire the individual who spoke with you on numerous occasions who would be very damaging... In implicating you in January 6th, that way, whenever they do reveal the truth, you can say, well, that's just a disgruntled employee, see? And it allows the media to either ignore or to discredit the individual. Whistleblowers only count if they're trashing Trump or other Republicans. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. (laughs) First alert forecast sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Showers through the day. High today of 73. Scattered showers before midnight. Otherwise partly cloudy. Low of 61. Uh, Tomorrow some sun. Then into the evening a 50% chance of showers. High near 81. Friday 70% chance of showers throughout the day otherwise partly sunny, a high near 78. Surprise. Thank
1: you. Well, if you're headed out the door this morning and you notice that your gutters are not keeping up with the rain, I recommend that you give Josh and his team over at the Pyramid Roofing Company a call today. Now, whenever gutters are no longer functioning properly, water can get backed up and, you know, kind of push under your shingles, which can cause a multitude of issues on your roof. You don't want that, and I don't want that for you either. So whenever you give uh, the Pyramid Roofing Company a call, they will come out, they'll do a free inspection for you, and then they will work on a roofing plan for you maybe you are in a situation where you don't need a whole new roof Uh, maybe you need just a simple roof repair whatever the situation is the pyramid roofing company they have got you covered now you can find all of that contact information for josh and the pyramid roofing company under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com
0: speaking of january 6th ray epps it's been announced is going to be charged with something ray epps is the individual that was seen on a couple of occasions on camera, one the day before January 6th, that would be January 5th, trying to rile up a crowd, talking about how we've got to storm the Capitol, and by gosh, you know, I may get arrested for saying this, but we've got to really just show them using the sort of rhetoric that they wanted you to believe Trump was using. He was also seen on January sixth in, in video. Um, at one point at the barricade he leans over, he whispers in someone's ear, and then that person after you know, he whatever Ray Epps says to him we don't know, he moves forward to push through the barricade. The inference one takes from that is that Ray Epps told him to you know, do this. He said something that resulted in the immediate attempt to break through the, the police fencing. Barricade, I think, is a little technically it's true. So Ray Epps actually, of, of w- when they stereotype January sixth quote insurrectionist, Ray Epps is on film doing what it is that they claim the all the insurrectionists did. So, and if you haven't followed this Ray Epps story, of course the media wants you to believe it's all a conspiracy theory. What people tell you, or what I'm telling you, but that's not a conspiracy. What I told you is very true. It's not a conspiracy the footage is out there you can see it as you what also is true and no one disputes it is in the beginning he was on the fbi's top wanted insurrectionist list and then all of the sudden so people would you know track and follow oh this person's not on the list it's because they got caught this person's not on the list they got arrested And Ray Epps, he got removed from the list, yet he didn't get arrested. So people were like, well, wait a minute. So this guy, you know where he is. He's on tape calling for people to storm the Capitol. He's there at these barricades helping break through them. And you're not going after him. That doesn't make sense. The government's explanation for this is, well, he said he was sorry and he didn't mean it. Uh okay, well that rule didn't apply to other people, including those who apologized for what they did and got sentenced to 22 years in prison for doing arguably less than what Ray Epps did. So as you can imagine, and what's interesting here is the people who are said to support the insurrection, that being Republicans, are saying, hey, this is a guy that actually maybe you should look at, and they protect him and say, no, it's okay, he apologized. Common sense tells you something there is not right. That's common sense. It's not conspiracy. Out of the blue, all of a sudden, Ray Epps charged with single January 6th related crime. I'm telling you, this has... Hunter Biden Approach, written all over it. Ray Epps, who participated in the January 6th riots on Tuesday, was charged with disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. This story notes that he's been the target of a number of conspiracy theories and so forth, so forth. He is facing only one count of disorderly or disruptive content in a restricted building or grounds and being accused of knowingly trying to, quote, impede or disrupt the orderly conduct of government business within the Capitol where the vice president was and would be temporarily visiting. He's been charged by criminal information, a term that usually means a defendant will be pleading guilty, legal experts note. The U.S. Attorney's Office declined to comment on whether Epps has agreed to plead guilty. His criminal docket shows no evidence that he has. This tells me that the Department of Justice, the FBI, or someone involved in this is concerned that further information is going to come out that is going to make it more difficult to continue to pretend that Ray Epps is a guy that they just thought was really nice and they forgave him despite the fact that he was openly encouraging people to storm the Capitol. And so what do you do? Well, you do the same thing that there was an attempt to do with Hunter Biden. And that potentially is what's occurring now with these gun charges, is you charge them with something that is absolutely minimal, in which they will not have any real meaningful punishment, so that you can say, whoa, look, we punished them. We took care of it. Justice was served. This shows that the system worked. It will allow the media, the Democrats, the Department of Justice, the FBI, to use it to push back against all the evidence that Ray Epps was working on behalf of our government in some capacity. Well, I mean, clearly he wasn't. Look, we charged him. It's to make it go away. I mean, after all, weren't we told that the reason they stopped pursuing him, they decided that he was A-OK in the government's eyes because he said, I'm sorry, why all of a sudden then they decide, oh, no, we're going to charge you with this little thing over here regarding January 6th? Why? You know, they are still going around this country arresting people, putting them in handcuffs just for being at or near the Capitol on January 6th, yet this guy walks around, he gets to live life, even though they're now claiming, well, he did do something that requires him to pay some sort of punishment. After a couple of years of telling us that, no, he was in the free and clear because he said sorry. This is to make it go away. This is to give ammunition to the the folks... Who want to continue to make it appear as if our government had nothing to do with January 6th whatsoever? You know, on that front, in fact, I want to share with you. Uh, so Garland, I suspect Garland is going to be asked today some questions about this. I'm going to skip ahead here after the um, get a traffic update. Put this a little further back than I thought. There, um are questions uh, uh, and accusations that the FBI at least in their presentation they they don't even know how many of their confidential human sources were there they're they're admitting that yeah we had January 6 people there we had people it confidential human informants on the ground that were part of January 6 but we don't really know exactly how many and there's two ways to look at this. One, which is the more, it, it's it's a much more generous approach, is that the FBI is sloppy and they don't know what they're doing. Or what I believe past history indicates is the reality that they, this is, it's easier to plead incompetence than it is nefariousness. It's just be like, oh, we don't know. We can't keep track of this stuff. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Uh, there was a committee hearing yesterday and it was someone that was relatively high up. I, I don't have the papers in front of me. I thought I had printed this story off, but evidently I did not. And It, it was preceding Garland's testimony today. And there were numerous questions trying to pinpoint exactly how many people working on behalf of the FBI were part of the January 6th event. And again, this is in an attempt to cover up that truth. We're told conspiracy theories, but it's not. The the criminal trials... These individuals, some of you know, which were there at the Capitol being prosecuted by the current administration and successfully so in some instances, part of their evidence is from undercover FBI agents that were there on January 6th. No one denies that they were there. But what has happened now is the FBI is being coy and they're like, well, you know, they're, they're playing a little like, well, we don't really know what these, be- you know, well, there may have been some confidential human sources from this division. There may have been some, conf- so everybody's playing the pass the buck game. And I don't believe it is because of sloppiness. I believe it is to obscure the realities, the facts. Well, we, we can't really say, we don't know. Any reasonable person, if they listen to all of the testimony, if they watch all of or as much of the tapes that are, that are available out there, if they follow these trials and listen to the prosecutor's own evidence or the uh, the Department of Justice's own evidence regarding the FBI being there on January 6th undercover, observing their refusal to be specific about how many individuals, no reasonable person can say, well, it's insane to think that this was facilitated. I think the most plausible explanation to a reasonable person, if they have the facts that are available, isn't that January 6th was planned by the Department of Justice, the FBI, these people, but that they recognized based off of what they acknowledged they saw on social media's chatter. That there was a an environment that was in the works that could lead to some sort of visual event that would allow Democrats to use it to their advantage. And instead of stopping it, they not only allowed it to happen, but they did work to encourage it. That's why they were there on the ground. You notice all, and here's what's, so let's look at it this way. There will be people that will believe that that is not likely, that is absurd, that our government would have people there on the ground mixed in pretending to be a Trump supporter for the purpose of riling things up encouraging people to do things they shouldn't do that they think I, I don't believe that well then why were they there why were they there they obviously weren't there to stop it because they didn't they did not even attempt to stop it now some of some of what you'll hear as well they, they, they try they're like hey guys let's not do this That's absurd. There was no calling in for backup. There was no, hey, we're hearing people talk about storming the Capitol, so we need some reinforcements here. None of that. None of it. Why were they there? What, just to observe, just to watch it happen? Watch what we're told was the single greatest attack on our country, even greater than 9-11? Does that make sense? That would be like, I mean, if we're going to accept their comparison, that it was as bad as 9-11, that would be as bad as the FBI going, oh yeah, we watched them board the planes, we knew it, but, but we just were observers. I mean, we were just there to observe it happening. Oh, and you didn't stop it? The FBI, our government, has acknowledged that there were, on their behalf, people mixed into the crowd. What was the point? If it wasn't to try and stop it, and if it wasn't just to watch it happen, that leaves only one reasonable explanation, and that is to help facilitate it, help encourage it, move it along. That is a reasonable inference to take from the facts that are available. The American Transmissions Talk at Text Line 447-KSGF. I'm Nick Reed.